0: Welcome to episode 10, chapter 10, short chapter today. We are reading from page 82 to 85. This is the very last chapter of the first part of the book. Enjoy. G'day folks. Welcome to the Crashing in Potential podcast. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about resilience. That is getting back up after you have been knocked down. My name is Scott B. Harris and I'm the author of the book, Crashing Into Potential, Living With My Injured Brain. It's a memoir that I have written and published that outlines my story of resilience after a major motorbike accident that nearly took my life. This podcast is designed to take what's inside of me and bring it out so that you can feel motivated to crash into your own potential. Brace yourself, because the podcast is about to start. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are reading Chapter 10. We're up to Episode 10, and it will be a short and sweet chapter. Maybe not an episode, but it'll be a short and sweet chapter, Uh, with a few stories in there for good measure. Now, before I start, I just want to say that my heart goes out to all the people right now who are pushing through and struggling with their mental health. Right now, I am still in lockdown. Uh, You guys are out of lockdown because I'm recording this in advance uh, and I'm still in here. But here in lockdown, uh, the suicide rate, has been astronomical and nobody nobody talks about this it has been astronomical and it is getting younger and younger now this 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 might be for a number of reasons but i guess as an adult our mental health definitely definitely affects the next generation and it affects, it affects our kids you know it affects a generation as a society and it affects our our kids directly you know as a kid Mummy and Daddy are meant to be the safety net. But when the safety net has holes all through it, uh, it's all of a sudden not looking so safe, is it? So it's hard to keep it together when Mummy and Daddy can't even keep it together. So what's the solution? Well, <laughs> there's no clean, there is no clean-cut solution. But for, for somebody that has been through it before, the best advice that I can give is go out and get help. Now this this pandemic uh, is already going to crush the economy, uh, and it's looking like it's going to basically abolish the uh, the the mental health of society. So go out and get help. Find help. If you listen to my last episode on depression, uh, I well if you go to my website uh, www.scottbharris.com.au forward slash Podcast and go to my episode number nine, Depression. I've got a whole bunch of links up there uh, for some websites that you can go to. Go out and start researching, start looking for solutions. I don't have the silver bullet, uh, but the best thing you can do is go out and get yourself some help. It's a lot easier for us adults to go and find help rather than our children. All right, let's get started on this chapter. This chapter is called Speaking About It. And the quote that goes with this chapter, The Mediocre Teacher Tells, The Good Teacher Explains, The Superior Teacher Demonstrates, The Great Teacher Inspires. That was by William Arthur Ward. When you go to shake someone's hand, You usually raise your right hand simultaneously with the other person you are greeting. You reach out and make contact when your hands lock together. Where this comes unstuck is when you raise your left hand instead of your right, which results in the other person giving an awkward twist of their hand to accommodate the unexpected gesture. This confusion would usually lead to the question, what happened to your arm? It's not a question I shy away from, because I know that people are, are naturally curious creatures. Most of the time, people just expect a quick answer, and sometimes that's what I give them. On other occasions, they open up Pandora's box and get hit with my story. They don't ask for it, I just give it to them. And before long, they can't shut me up about it. I've been talking about my accident for over nine years now to anyone and everyone who will listen. Now... If people don't ask me what happened, I will find a way to talk about my accident anyway. This is because this has been my whole existence for a long time 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Every part of my life has been impacted. From the moment I wake up to the things I learn throughout the day to the time I go to sleep, which consists of dreamless nothingness. That's right, I don't even get to enjoy a fantasy land. When I sleep as I, cannot, as I can no longer dream. Okay, I'm just going to go out of the book here and, and say that in, in, recent, in recent years, uh, on the odd occasion, I've been able to recall a dream or two. So I guess it's, um, it's not a case of me not, not being able to dream. It's more a case of me not remembering my dreams. Which poses a question, and I'll put a poll up on my Facebook group. Sorry, not my Facebook group, my Facebook page. Uh, if you want to find my Facebook page, it's the Injured Brain. Type that in, you'll find it. I'll put a poll up. The question is this: If you don't remember your dream, did you dream? Now, that's a bit of a, a bit of a thought provoking question, uh, and I want to hear. I want to hear your answers. So. I will put a poll up. Uh it's kind of one of those questions if a if a tree falls in the woods and uh, nobody's there to hear it does it make a sound? Hmm. Not sure it does. Now just quickly uh before we go back to the book I'm I'm going to go might go I I want to tell a story and I think I might go a little bit off track here but bear with me because uh this this story is about uh about sleeping and it's about sleep talking. So I never realised that I spoke in my sleep, uh, because I've never been awake to to hear it. Uh, I guess um, I was uh, I was in a hostel in Europe somewhere, and I can't for the life of me think where it was. Um, yeah, I really can't can't remember where this hostel was. I can picture it, I just can't. I, I just can't remember it. Uh, but I was sharing a room with a guy from South America somewhere. I think uh, might have been Peru. I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, I, I wake up to this uh, this bloke with his head over the bunk looking down at me. And I was on the bottom bunk. He was on the top bunk. And this guy was laughing at me, uh, telling me about uh, the conversation that we had the night before. Um, now, I can't remember the details of, of what he was saying. Um, and what he was talking about, but he he said that he was talking to me for like five minutes, um, until he realised that I was asleep. Um, and I think it would be really, really, really freaky to be talking to somebody that that is asleep and not realise, and then realise that hey, they're asleep. Uh, in recent years, Jasmine, uh, my partner, which you're going to re- meet in the next part. Uh, she has been freaked out, uh, freaked out by this. Um, so I guess like my, me, sleep talking. So if your head's right next to somebody and they start talking to you uh, and you, they are asleep and they they don't respond to you and you start talking to them, that would just be really weird. Uh, that's never happened to me, but I hope it does one day because I want to see what it's like. All right, back to the book. We are up to page number 83 so with that said there's no wonder that i now get paid to speak professionally to a much larger crowd and with a much larger message than just look what i've overcome it's now a case of look what i've overcome this is how i've done it and this is how you can overcome your own difficulties i want to make i wanted to make a difference in people's lives and i knew that I could use my story to inspire a wider audience. As I spoke to more and more people and shared my story, I started thinking about the difference I would like to be making in society. What better people to hear my story than high school students who are getting their licences and becoming exactly the type of person I was. These people are just entering the high risk category for the exact type of injuries that I have acquired. As we were starting to wrap up my time at Epworth, I decided that one of my goals would be to talk to school students about the challenges I faced. Being young enough to relate to them, I thought I could maybe warn them about the dangers of risky behaviour. My aim was never to discourage anyone from doing anything and it was definitely not to tell them not to ride motorbikes, but it was more to tell them about the possible dangers of their behaviour and to show them what can happen when thing when something goes wrong. I spent a couple of months gathering up all of the footage that had been filmed by my therapists at rehab and by my dad, then put it all together to show the students what this experience of mine has entailed. If you would like to watch it, go to www.scottbharris.com.au forward slash about. This video was a challenge to make, as I had to relearn how to use Adobe Adobe Premiere, and if you've ever used an Adobe product, you'll know they are not for beginners. As well as the challenge from a digital perspective, to begin with, I found it emotionally challenging. Watching the footage from the past 3 years brought back some brutal memories, and watching the footage I had before my accident brought back envious memories. For the life I had left behind. Page number eighty-four. Although it was the tough truth, it also gave me a sense of pride for how far I had come, and for what I had pulled through. The next step was to write a talk that would really explain the lessons I had learned while traveling down this sometimes dark road to recovery. My therapists in speech pathology and occupational therapy were delighted about this idea. They were full of encouragement, but they let me do all the work, and this in itself was proof to me how far I'd come. The very first time I presented my talk was to one person, Delia, my occupational therapist. I never guessed I could feel so nervous. All the way through was a blur, but Delia's applause at the end was a sign that it had worked. I hadn't I have never again had that feeling now I talk about my life talk about the, my passion and talk about the, the reasons I wake up in the morning to high school high school kids uni students and sporting groups okay just gonna go out of the book again uh, and talk about the first school that I had had ever spoken to so and this was in 2010 2011 yep 2011 when i just before i'd finished at rehab so the first school that i went and spoke to was actually my old school that i went to uh, my old high school i got in contact with them and organized uh, to meet up to talk to somebody about the presentation i ended up meeting up with one of my old teachers mark pobjoy pobs he was my year ten coordinator, and actually, he was my year ten maths teacher. And I, and I don't think I've ever told him this, and he wouldn't—he wouldn't even remember this. But he actually was the reason I didn't continue uh, doing any maths, and I really started to hate maths uh, because I, before I got into his maths class, I was actually not a bad—not a bad maths. Oh, I didn't think I was that bad at maths. Uh, I was actually in, if uh, if you knew, if you know the Victorian curriculum, uh, it was called Methods One. I was in Methods One, so that was uh, kind of the advanced maths uh, for for the Year Ten group. And I was in there, and he obviously didn't think that I was up to the standards, and he dropped me down two levels. I didn't go into Normal Maths. I went into what they called, uh, what the kids called, Spud Maths. So Spud Maths was uh, was for all of the people and the students that that didn't like maths and weren't really that good at maths. Anyway, so I went I went up to uh, up to the uh, up to the school and I sat down with Mark with Pubs um, and another guy. He was the youth worker. His name uh, was Michael Michael Colin. So I I I went up there. I went along with my computer, with my video to show them what I'd made. And I sat down and I showed them, and basically, boom, that was it. Uh, that was that was how that got together. I they loved it. They really, really did love it, and they wanted me to come and speak to their to their school. And I wanted to um, I wanted to present to the teachers before I spoke to the students. That was probably because I I wanted to, I hadn't spoken in front of a crowd sort of that big and I, I wanted to take it take it for a test run there first because I was I was absolutely shaking in my boots when they said, yes, we'd love you to come along. So I went there and I went along one night and I presented, I went along with my parents I went and I presented to a, a room full of all of my old teachers, um, and I'd only only finished up about seven or eight years before, uh, before here, before then, and some of these teachers, some of these teachers I didn't actually get along with uh, at that school. Some of the teachers I did get along with, but there were some teachers that really, I guess, didn't like my presence uh, back in the day. Uh, and the Age newspaper went along, and they filmed it, uh, which was which was pretty cool. And I'm going to put up a, a link on my website uh, and on, my, on the show notes for the day uh, for the article that was written and the video that, that went along with that. Uh, and then that was basically it. That was how it all started. I then went and spoke to their, their students, and I've been speaking, I've spoken there quite a number of times. So, Alfon, thank you for, for giving me the, the stage to speak on. Alpham College was uh, was was and has been um, since then uh, a very big supporter of, uh, of me and what I'm doing and trying to inspire students. And whenever I have something new to, to speak about or I want to take something for a test run, they are more than happy to give me that platform. Uh, so thank you guys for being so supportive, uh, which I'm really grateful for. All right, back to the book. My story has evolved from being a warning to students about risky behaviour to what to do if things do go wrong and you're left to pick up the pieces of your life. Over and over again I've seen people throw in the towel when things got too hard. I now teach and coach people on ways to overcome their own adversity in life. I don't have any, any medical training so I don't claim to have all the all of the answers or all the expert knowledge. However, I do know what it's like to live every day with an injured brain. There is nothing more rewarding to me than reading a message like this one, which I received from a former student who heard me heard me talk. Hey, Scott, I just wanted to send you a message. About four years ago, you came and spoke to the year 12 students at my school, myself being one of them. You were the reason I decided to become an occupational therapist after hearing your story that day. Now, I am currently on my final OT placement four years later at Epworth Rehabilitation, where they still have your story on their ABI ward walls. I just wanted you to know the positive impact you had on my career choice. I hope you are doing well, and thank you for inspiring me to follow the career I never knew I wanted, but am forever grateful for. Caitlin Adversity comes in all shapes and sizes, from having having to change jobs, to moving schools, from physical difficulties, to experiencing depression, and everything in between. I believe every person facing adversity is searching for that thing that could dig them out of the place that they're in. This book is about what can be achieved if you don't give up. It may not get better for you right now, or this year, or even the next five years, but hold on for as long as it takes because life does get better. This has been a long, tough road for my tribe and me. If you had told me all those years ago, Scott... You will still be slogging away at this nine year, in nine years' time. I'm not sure I'd still be around to write this book. I'm still determined to hold out for as long as it takes. Okay, that is the end of chapter. Uh, the chapter we are up to, well, that was uh, page 85. So now we are finished part one of the book. Now I'm just going to go through. There's in between part one and two. There's uh, there's a few pictures. So maybe over the next, oh, I don't know how long it will take me, but I'm going to go through those pictures and describe them to you, and I'll read the captions that are with them. So the uh, the first picture is me riding my motorbike through a river crossing. The caption that goes with it with it with this is. Riding near Big River on Lake Eldon Victoria. This was the last ride I went on before the day of my accident, and the photo was by Soren Reichelt. He was one of my mates. Now, and the next picture is uh, the picture of my motorbike uh, that's lying down after it was involved in the accident. I think it's in the back tray of my uh, my Navara that I had. Uh, the um, the quote that goes with this. Uh, picture is after the accident Uh photo by david gestro Um i guess yeah dave was one of the guys that was riding with me on the day now i'm just going to tell you a little bit of a story to do with this uh this photo it's probably the only place well the last place uh, spot in this book that i can tell this story about the motorbike and it's about what happened to the motorbike after it got smashed up. So, after it was involved in the accident, it got nearly, nearly totaled. Um, it got very, very um, beaten up. But luckily, we could actually take it to get fixed. Uh, it doesn't look like you'd be able to fix it, but it basically got a whole new front end. And because there was no chassis damage, I think it was okay. Uh, we just replaced all the plastics, the radiator, and the whole front end of the bike got replaced. Now, after it got replaced, we had that motorbike at home, and it was it was for sale. And I woke up one morning to mum standing over me, saying, Scott, now don't get upset, don't get angry. And when somebody, somebody wakes you up that way, what, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're gonna hit the roof what happened what what are you what are you doing what 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 i was i was i was completely stunned i didn't i didn't have a clue what was going on and she says all right scott your motorbike has been stolen what my motorbike has been stolen that motorbike has got some pretty bad luck associated with it so i wouldn't want to be the the uh, the person that's riding that bike around after me. What happened was uh, somebody accidentally, I say accidentally because there's a little bit of suspicion here, accidentally left the garage door open and the light on at my house and there in plain view was my motorbike, ripe for the picking. Now I'm not going to blame anybody, <clears throat> mum, <clears throat> dad. Um, I'm not going to blame anybody um, for the for the the um, what had happened. Uh, maybe somebody might have deliberately, accidentally left the light on and the garage door open. Who knows? They told me that they didn't, and I I need to trust them. Because, um, because they're my parents and I believe them. Um, I just have a bit of a bit of a suspicion. It's a bit all, all, all a bit too convenient because that bike put our put our family through quite a bit of turmoil. Uh, so yeah, it wouldn't have been wouldn't mean trust me, it wouldn't have been the worst thing if it got stolen. Um, yeah, we'll we'll leave it at that. On the next page. Uh, we have two photos, and the first photo up top is of me running on an oval near my old house. Uh, that was doing, uh, I, was, I was doing a physio session with Sean, who you met in uh, met in one of the last chapters, uh, in Leaving Rehab for Good. Uh, the caption that goes with this is Three years on, my running style has definitely stepped up a level. Photo by Sean Smee. Next photo on that page is at uh, this was uh, my first white Christmas uh, at Sun Peaks, and I was uh, we we had a Chris, a little Christmas party, which was in a um, in uh, the room. It was like a little dorm room. It was uh, the, in staff Accom, the com- accommodation of the staff that lived at there uh, sorry that that worked worked for the mountain. They all had their own little room and two girls had to share this room and it was was Jen and Carly and it was a very small room for two people so you can imagine what it was like for uh, for seven people and the caption that goes with this is enjoying my first white Christmas at Sun Peaks left to right TJ Charlotte Sarah Jen Luke me and Carly wear a stupid hat they said so i wore a black witch's hat when there's no one to take the photo the self-timer works a treat so i think that can't exactly remember that night too well but i know that there were a lot of laughs and good times that we had because i think that was our first uh, everyone besides luke there i think it was their first um their first white christmas At Sun Peaks, which was pretty cool. The next uh, next page, we have two photos. The first photo is a picture of my family and me uh, in Hawaii. Now, I have a whole chapter on this. And the next photo down below is of uh, me on a road trip with Sarah, Charlotte, and Matt. And I talk about that in the next chapter as well. The captions that go with these photos are "Happy 60th birthday, old man." A, photo, a, fo- a family photo captured in Hawaii, from left to right and front to back. Deborah Harris, in brackets, mum, me, Brett Harris, Kylie Harris, Nicole Harris White, Victor Harris, in brackets, dad, Cliff White, very back. And the photo was by Benihana of Tokyo. So it was a Japanese restaurant um, that took that photo. The next photo down is uh it's of uh me charlotte sarah and um and matt we're on our road trip and i'll talk about that in the next chapter and the photo was taken from so matt put the uh, put the camera on the other side of the road so it was the other side of the highway on a on a bank uh in an embankment and he pressed uh he pressed the the go button took the shot and he had, he had it was a self timer obviously and he r- had to run and jump up on the on the on the on the car and the photo actually turned out mint because he timed it really well because it he only just taken the photo when he got up and he turned around and it looks like he's been sitting there for ages and it was actually timed perfectly and the caption that goes with this is Matt, Sarah, Charlotte and me on the, on our road trip through the Canadian Rockies. Photo by self timer. The next page, there is three photos on this page, and the first photo is a photo of uh, of Steve, who uh, uh, Stephen. This was I talk about this uh, in the next chapter. This was the uh, the uh, the photo session that I got that I went with the lady that worked uh, that offered to teach me some things with the photography. Uh, and that first photo was one of the photos I took. Um, the next photo down is of myself and, and Steve over at another, one of the other peaks, uh, at Sun Peaks, uh, at called Mount Morrissey. And uh, that was a photo taken by his partner at the time. Um, who now it's now his, his wife, uh, tian All of this uh, probably won't make sense because I'm spitting out all these names and stuff. Uh, these people and these places you will all learn in the next part, or the next chapter, I think, or the next few chapters. And the next photo along uh, next to that is uh, a group session that we, it was a session that we had uh, at Big White, which was my second season that I did in, in Canada. Now, this was a a, this day I went out, boarding with uh, with five other people sorry one two three four five six other people and it was one of the rare days that I did that because when I first got to Canada in the first season I didn't like uh, snowboarding with anybody but myself because I guess I didn't want to show everybody my vulnerabilities and I didn't want to you know I, I only really wanted to go snowboarding with other people. When I could actually snowboard quite well and I didn't slow anybody down, so I didn't, I didn't really very often um, go snowboarding with with especially not a whole group like that. And now I actually I actually really enjoy when 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 I go off snowboarding with a group like that because now I guess I'm a lot better than I was when I first started at Sun Peaks, but it was still a bit of a rare occasion that I did this. Uh, Especially in a group this large which was great. Uh, And the three captions that go with those three photos are Top. My shot of Steve and his amazing leap at Sun Peaks. That was the caption with the top photo. next caption is of the photo on the left down below. It says, Steve and I doing laps over at Over at Mount Morrissey. One of the three peaks. At the Sun Peaks Resort. Photo by Tian Wilson. Uh, The next caption. Is of the. uh, Of the, the group shot. On the right. It says. This was Canada. Round two. At Big White. A group. A group riding session. On a perfect bluebird day. We couldn't have asked. For a better session really. From left to right. Was John, Jamie, me, Matt, Sarah, Kieran, and Caitlin. The next captions are for the pa- uh, the photos on the opposite side of the page. So I'll, I'll I'll talk about the photos, and then I will read out the captions. So the first photo is a picture that I had taken at um, at Pisa, the Leaning Tower of Pisa in um, in Italy. Now that was taken on a dslr camera and it was obviously uh it was it was turned around the other way and i couldn't see through it so i actually took to take that shot i took about i took about 30 shots because i just couldn't get the perfect angle i couldn't get it looking per- as as good as that shot that i've got there uh, because yeah, I, I travelled. That was when I I did a day trip on my own. That day I up to the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, the next picture is of uh, it was in Berlin, and this was a day in. It was a hot sunny day in Berlin. It was right near the hostel, and these people had taken out a blow-up pool onto. Onto a grassed area. And I was walking past. And they just said, do you want to come and join us? So, went straight back to the hostel. Got me, got me togs on. And over I went. And the people that were all around were, uh, or I think they were all of the people that worked at the hostel. And it was, it was just, it was just really bizarre. I mean, that's like, that's like having a blow up pool in the middle of Melbourne, on the grass somewhere, and all out sunbaking. It was it was it was it was tripped out. It was whack, but it was cool to be uh, sitting out sunbaking on the grass in the middle of a city. Yeah, quite cool. Uh, the next picture is of uh, it was a picture that I took of a sunset at uh, at Hania in uh, on the island of Crete in Greece. And this was with um, this was the first sort of uh, sunset that I went and took photos with uh, with Jasmine, which is pretty cool. She didn't take photos; she just came up to watch what I did, which was pretty cool. It was actually a really nice shot and a really nice sunset. Uh, the next page, which is the last two photos uh, before part two, are of me and Jasmine. Now you're going to meet Jasmine in this part. Um, in a few chapters time and that top photo was the first photo that we we had together which we hired an atv so a four-wheel motorbike and rode around the island of naxos so on naxos i was the one that rode uh, i was on the i was in the front seat and rode the av to atv around i guess if she knew that i uh, that i had had a motorbike accident only only four years earlier, uh, that nearly killed me. I uh, don't know if she'd be uh, too trustworthy in my riding abilities, but luckily for me, she uh, she didn't know about that. And the next, I remember, uh, the next island we went to together was uh, was Paros. And there, they they didn't have any ATVs to hire. They only had these little buggies. And because I normally I have a spinner knob to drive the buggies, She was the one that drove around that Island. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. And the next photo down below is of us uh, when we went to, we went on a road trip, Jasmine and I and one of her friends, Gabrielle, um, we went on a road trip from Vancouver down. This was later on in the uh, in the book or on my trip when I met up with her again. Actually, this was at the very, very, very end of my trip. So this was after I had, I'm not going to give too much of it away, but after I had gone home and I'd come back. Uh, This was that little gap, the two weeks uh, when I came back. uh, That was when on the road trip that we went on. And the two captions that go with these two photos are, above, my first ever selfie with Jasmine. We spent the day riding on a quad bike exploring the island of Naxos and the next caption is here Jasmine is being her silly self while I'm trying to pose for our second ever selfie in San Francisco at the first ever Starbucks I'm just gonna put in a correction there it's not San Francisco it is Seattle so now we are on to on, uh, up to chapter. Uh, sorry, not chapter. Uh, well, part two. We're up to part two, and we're on page. Uh, we're on page eighty-nine. Now I'm going to stop it right there. And if you've been liking the book so far, that's great. I am really happy about that. But you may be a little bit disappointed by what I am about to tell you. I'm going to be calling it quits. No, nope, sorry, sorry, that's very, very misleading. Um, I'm going to stop reading the book for now. Uh, I'm going to stop reading the book for now, and I'm going to pick it up uh, next year, at the beginning of, uh, sort of at the beginning of Feb. Uh, Monday the 1st of Feb is, is when the beginning is. I guess that's not the beginning, but it's uh, Monday the 1st of Feb. That's the start of February, not the beginning of the week. Uh, until then uh, I'm still going to be podcasting uh, I'm just gonna be uh, I'm gonna be talking about about other sort of uh, other resiliency kind of things if that's even a word um, other things that I do to keep my brain healthy and to keep it kicking along so if that is the sort of thing that you are very interested in stay tuned keep listening and keep enjoying this podcast now that's it from me today if you want to find me type in the injured brain in any of the social medias instagram facebook twitter or linkedin and you'll find me that's where i am shoot me a message i've been loving the messages that i've been getting from people that have words of encouragement it really does feel feels great to know that i'm connecting with people uh, throughout this podcast and and connecting to the listener so thank you very much you know who you are keep it up and i will see you right here right now no not now no 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 not. No. that was wrong next week right same time same place that's what i was thinking of next week i will i will see you same time same place uh take care of yourself don't do anything i wouldn't do i'm out see ya so that's it for today if you liked what you heard hit the subscribe button so you do not miss an episode better still hit the subscribe button and leave a review see you in the next episode